Welcome everyone back to the broadcast. I'm David Woods, Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network, and I am joined by Tracy Pearson here on this beautiful day after UCLA basketball has played uh, what we'll call a, a, a 30% meaningful basketball game. Tracy, how are you? Um, it's a great day. It's a new day, Dave. It, it's it, a new it, dawn, yes. Isn't it just wonderful to legitimately know that there's a team that's good? I mean, they might they might not win a national championship. They might not go to the Final Four. But you know they're going to be engaged in every game, and there's a very good chance they're going to have a great season. Au contraire, just... they're obviously 100% guaranteed to go to the Final Four <laughs> and 100% guaranteed to win the national championship because I watched Miles Johnson last night. It's, it's so much fun to set you up that way because I, I you you tend you've got a little contrarian in you, Ben Holland, um, <laughs> and what I when I say that you always when I always kind of am, am a little bit uh, you know limit I just. Kind of when you say a perfectly reasonable thing, and, yeah. Yes, when you say a perfectly reasonable yeah. thing, the only way for me to be a contrarian is to be crazy. Yes, um, and so I just guaranteed a national championship. But here, here, I'll I'll set up that argument. Okay, and you you knock it down. Miles Johnson, really freaking good. Look, I know he was going against like whatever six six dudes who like go to Chico State, and they're fine, they're okay. But you know, but the way that guy rebounds. I mean, uh, you know, the the last guy I can remember rebounding like that, like consistently, was Kevin Love for UCLA. Yeah, and, and Love didn't didn't have that length. There, no, his, but he had his those arms. blue hands. He had yeah. the glue hands. He had the glue hands. His arms, and uh, seriously, of everything he did last night, the most stunning thing, and I paused, I paused the recording on it when he just puts his hands straight up. It's like he's been stretched. He's like Plastic Man. Uh, that's an old reference. Uh, what is it? Elasta Girl? Is that better? Um, I mean, his arms are so long. So mm-hmm. it's just that length and then the hands, the just the suction hands. Those things. It's it's an amazing it's an amazing thing. <laughs> well, you, you throw what, that out there, but then on top of that, like from a. I was expecting him to be a little bit more, um, what's a word, stodgy, a little bit yeah. more immobile, Plotting. a little bit, yeah. a little bit stiffer. Um, yeah, he moves pretty damn well for his size. He like, doesn't run up and down the court really, really well. No, but the short but area, short stuff, area, he's, he's yeah. very good. Yep, yep, yeah. Um, so I loved him. Um, Jaime Hawkes, uh here in year three is looking like the guy he's i mean he's looking exactly like the guy who just you know was the low-key dominant force in a lot of those ncaa tournament games just taking dudes off the dribble doing whatever he wanted to do just being more powerful more physical and physically he looks like a guy who actually finally had an off season um he he just he doesn't look like last year he looked a little bit thick to start the year uh this year he doesn't he looks basically perfect physically um and again it's tough to gauge uh, he's obviously going to out physical guys from chico state but i love the approach for a game like this like i can do this to you so i'm going to and i'm just going to well, keep well, doing it true but i mean he did body up and muscle up on malik duffy and that dude is 68 240 so it wasn't like these were little 66 you know 210 pounders what was great about it too is usually when someone is kind of getting set because they know they're going to put a shoulder in someone's chest or something, they really brace for it. He's He didn't brace for it. It's just all, this is, this is kind of my space. And if you get in the way, I, you know, you have no chance. It was kind of, there's kind of that attitude to it. Yeah. There was which, a competitive arrogance to the whole thing. There really is. Yeah. 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 And a physical uh, competitive arrogance, too. Yeah. And then the other standout that obviously um, I think has potential to take this team to another level is just 
it, not even like necessarily just the way he played, but just how Peyton Watson looks on the floor. <laughs> like just yeah. so long and freaky looking and just deflecting balls without even really knowing how to play defense yet at this level, but still just deflecting the hell out of everything because he's just so long and he can anticipate. And more importantly than anything, he's playing hard, like playing freaking hard in a game against Chico State in an exhibition in his first season at UCLA. That is such a good sign for this season. Yeah, there there were – it's funny because he's exactly – I love it when we're right. <laughs> it's a good feeling. And, you know, there's so many people who were saying so much about him on both sides. And I just like it when it's exactly what we thought he would he would be. His athleticism and his, and his body just completely stand out, especially uh, when he's playing on a team that don't have those kind of athletes. It's especially pronounced. Um, but... His shot blocking ability, uh, while there were flashier, while there were uh, flashier clips and highlight reels, that one block where he took off from inside the the top of the key and blocked a three pointer. That I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. That no. was that was incredible length. I mean, I'd like to go out there and kind of measure how high he had to be. But then it just wasn't also just a highlight reel when he crossed over and dunk, and it wasn't the dunk. The thing was that, and we I've written about this before. He's a good, he's a solid six eight, and on that crossover, his ability to dribble the ball like below his knees on that crossover is what was really, really phenomenal. Not the dunk. It was that, and I know he was going up against a guy who couldn't stay with him. But that kind, when you have a body like that, that can fold up and get eight inches off the ground, that's pretty phenomenal. He showed in a lot of different ways he had, he doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, offensively, but also defensively, he was, he was looking around, not knowing like where he should be position-wise. So... But just, yeah, it's going to be so fun watching where he's, how he develops and where he is in even just a month. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, but it's very exciting because you can just see all of the upside and it's so massive. Um, and I think we can say now pretty definitively that Mick Cronin has a really strong track record of developing guys um, throughout not only seasons, but between seasons. Um, so I'm excited to see how he looks in a couple of months. Um, but the and effort kind of, there, the commitment, the buy-in, all that stuff that you want to see is already there. Um, and yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say it, Tracy. I no longer think he is the ninth most important Bruin for 2022. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, and what's what's fun too as we watch this guy improve. If you read that interview with Mark, the, there's a five-star recruit, Mark Mitchell, is deciding between Duke and UCLA. Uh, he's kind of similar. Um, he's a little bit more of a power forward-esque, but he's 6'8", probably, maybe even a little taller, a wing uh, like that, really hyper-athletic, really long, Mark Mitchell. And his brother was interviewed by the Duke site, the 24-7 Sports Duke site, and the brother literally said... Uh, I, I've, I've been able to watch Cronin develop players and see how much uh, Peyton Watson has already improved. That was really, that was a, I, I'm giving a lot of credit to the Duke, to the Duke side. That was a great interview. Interviewing uh, a person who has a big influence on, on this recruitment. So yeah, it, it, it's something like you said, watching players improve. Um, and from what we've heard, Peyton Watson has improved from his first practice until now. So, yeah. And you could see just how happy he was to get on the court because he didn't even play his high school senior season. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, no, he's, he seemed, he, he just seemed so giddy to be out there playing, playing basketball again. Um, but, but honestly, like as a team wide thing, you know, how many times have we seen, um, UCLA just kind of play around in one of these games and not really, you know, go too hard or whatever. 
And I won't say they were playing like at max capacity for 40 minutes, but they took this one seriously. I mean, they they there was a little bit of, you know, maybe cold shooting at the beginning of the game. But at no point did I feel like, oh, they were just letting Chico State score. Um, it was uh, it was nice to see that, you know, them playing at probably 75, 80 percent in a game like this when we are so used to seeing UCLA play at like 35, 40 percent in an exhibition like this. Um, that, again, another good sign for the season is they're starting the year with the right approach, right attitude. Yeah, I, I you know, if I'm nitpicking, uh, probably there were a few open looks that maybe shouldn't have been open. And I, and I understand it's an exhibition game. You're not necessarily closing out as, as well as you, you should, but yeah, um, I want to see UCLA's field goal and effective field goal opponent percentage just dramatically improve this year. That was just not good last year. So yeah, it's, it's, it's good to see that's kind of, you know, you can't take away much from that game. But that was that was something. Uh, a few other things. A few other things to mention out of that game too. Um, just random, you know, little things. Uh, Jules Bernard was kind of the workhorse. Uh, Twenty nine minutes, uh, twelve points, handled the ball a lot. If you notice too, we saw it a little last season, but I think we're going to see it more. Um, Cronin is letting various people bring up the ball. Um, Jaime Jaquez brought up the ball. Uh, Bernard, obviously, is back a point guard role, brought up the ball. But he's going to – he's realized that when you have a, a savvy veteran team, they, you know, Jaime Jaquez is not going to get picked. He, he can bring up the ball. And that kind of changes your offense, too. It changes your set. It changes a lot of things that you'll be able to get into offensively. And, you know, recruits love to see it. You know, that you don't have to necessarily make an outlet to Tiger Campbell. You'll be able to start a break. Yeah. One other observation that I wrote about, too. If you noticed, UCLA has not gotten a lot of transition points under McCronin. Um, and you could see him on the sideline. He was saying, you know, get it going. Go, go, go. And they weren't a lot of times. But there were some... Of push! Push! <laughs> <laughs> oh god i do miss him um <laughs> there were uh, the blocks and and the steals the blocks by both miles johnson and peyton watson and the steals peyton watson led to some easy transition baskets which are fantastic that's what you want to see um so that was that was great to see too uh we, i didn't write about about Ken Nwuba, um, because it's just an exhibition game. But he he had a good ten minutes in there, scored five points, had a nice dunk, block shot, liked liked his performance. I have to say too, I saw this happening because I watched some video of David Singleton in the off season, and I saw him like throw down a dunk. And I said, wow, I had to rewind the tape I was watching because I had never seen David Singleton. I don't think he's ever dunked the ball. I don't think he's ever really even attempted a dunk at UCLA. And he attempted one last night that wasn't like, you know, he couldn't get off the ground. He missed it. It went off the back of the rim. But that's a dunk that's going to go in. It's interesting to see how he's uh, matured and evolved to the point where he wouldn't be able to get up like that. And now I think he can so that's that's really interesting too, and I know yeah. he's one of your guys. He's your guy. He's he's my dude. He's my dude. He's my dude. Um, yeah, I think that was also, but that's a, that's a um, you know I give Cronin a lot of credit for that again because uh, Singleton, especially towards the beginning of last year, had really, really, really uh, turned into a one-dimensional player. Um, was only taking threes, um, and it was clearly a point of emphasis, um, especially towards the end of the season, for Cronin to get him to take a couple of mid-range take a couple where you're dribbling to the hoop um and if you remember singleton in high school he was able to do that it's something that kind of went away from him um in college so getting a little bit more out of that out of him uh in that regard would be great because it'll allow you know him hopefully a little bit more space to take his threes um if he can keep defenses honest um 
But yeah. Well, I let's mean, finish. Let's finish this off and and just finish with comments about Johnny Juzang. Go. Uh, pretty much what I was expecting. I would say he's, uh, uh, so physically, I would say he's a little bit, um, he's clearly spent a lot of time in the weight room. Um, his shoulders look bigger. Um, he looked maybe a little bit more able to withstand, um, you know, when teams play him aggressively, defensively, um, maybe he'll be able to fight through it a little bit better. Um, I, you know, at the beginning, I thought he was pressing a little bit. I think he wanted to put on a show, um, but he settled down. I think he was better towards the end of the game. Um, but it was about what I was expecting. I mean, he's not going to be NCAA tournament Johnny in every single game and certainly not in an exhibition. Um, he's one who I think you really do have to see him in meaningful games to get a good read on him because I think he is uh, maybe one of those classic guys who plays a little bit better when this when the lights are brighter. Um so I'm interested to see him, um, you know, once the season actually begins and um, Villanova, basically. Yeah. Yeah, he made some, you know, there were some lapses there, you know, just uh, that skip pass, which that was one of those passes where you could say three seconds ahead of time, you could see it happen. You're all, uh, no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and Cronin was there watching the ball in the air. <laughs> It was I think Cronin could have got it himself. Um, and and some other little things, you know. If you remember, we might have erased this from our memory, but uh, first half of last year, he, he was in no man's land a lot of times defensively. And there was a little bit of that last night also. Um, Cody Riley. Uh, Cody Riley's shot looks more money than he, than it was even uh, compared to second half of last oh, season. He, he's he's approaching Thomas Welsh levels on the uh, mid range. He is, yeah, yeah, and he attempted a three. <laughs> yes, yes, he sure did. Yes, he <laughs> sure did. Let's uh, let's maybe put a pin in that one, Cody. <laughs> hey, the one thing we wanted to comment about uh, that you didn't, Miles Johnson made his two free throws. He sure did, and they did not look bad. Like the form didn't look bad to me. Yeah, they looked they looked very I had to double take again to make sure that was him at the line. <laughs> yeah, no, that that was that was a very promising element of that game because ramifications here. He can be if he can do that, even shoot what? 73 per, 70% from the line, he will be able to be in a game at the end where you need him to rim protect. So, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. And so I would say um, two like kind of overarching takeaways. One, I would like to see the to your point about the open threes. I would like to see Cronin uh, ratchet up the intensity um, on uh, on defense, and by that I mean like the amount to which they are playing up on perimeter players because I think they've gotten used to sagging a little bit because they didn't have a rim protector. Well, now you do. You've got some length on the perimeter, so you can, even if you get beat off the dribble, you've got a guy like Peyton Watson who can recover and block a shot even after he gets beat, kind of the Tyler Honeycutt special. Um, I, I would like to see them play up on guys a little bit more, even with, you know, maybe some some teams, especially smaller teams, um, are going to be able to beat UCLA off the dribble a little bit more. Um, UCLA has a lot of length now, and they have an elite rim protector. Um, so I'd like to see that. And then on the other end, um, these games from Johnny Juzang are going to be interesting if he does have inefficient games, because I think now it's one game against a, you know, a, a D2 opponent. Um, but if Jaime Hawkes can play with that level of offensive confidence, um, cause he really did look like the version of Hawkes that we saw in the NCAA tournament. But if you remember, there was a version of Hawkes we saw during the season last year that would score like six points a game, um, you know, where he would just be kind of taken out of it. If he's that, if he's able to do what he was able to do in this game pretty consistently, and I don't mean just shoot lights out, but take guys off the dribble and consistently create essentially his own offense off the dribble um, where he's just driving on dudes because that's what he was able to do in the NCAA tournament against really good defenders a lot of times. Um, that takes pressure off Juzang. And also, um, I would think for Cronin would maybe have a quicker hook on the inefficient games. Um, and I, I think it's going to be interesting to see that that play out. And keep in mind, we just watched this team without Jalen Clark, who's going to factor into that rotation as well. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to see how he fits in as a defensive energy guy, but also as somebody that Cronin was just talking about in an interview, 
as maybe the one guy he was spotlighting as this guy's improved a ton this offseason. Yeah. Um, the thing about Hawkins, I think I think what it comes down to, uh, we have to mention, too, that he was 5 for 5 from uh, the free throw line, which is really key for him. That was a hole in his game. I, uh, I think everyone recognizes Absolutely. from last season. I think a lot of what this comes down to is... He, while last year he didn't necessarily look like he was fatigued, he, he was fatigued. I mean, he was playing, I, I can't even, I, I'm not even going to look it up, like 33 minutes a game, something ridiculous like that or more. Keeping him fresh will keep him shooting, you know, five for five from the free throw line, shooting probably, you know, around 40%, if not even better from from three and Peyton Watson will be able to help with that, keeping Hawkes fresh. So I think I think that's key. Um, and I, I'm uh, Mick Cronin has to absolutely recognize that. And that's another way that Jalen Clark will contribute is keeping Hawkes fresh. Um, if we're talking games, we got to talk about the game, the suit game, and the oh my watch God. game. Of Mick Cronin. Holy, he, wow. No man has ever been more eager to step back into a suit. Plus, let, let's just give him some... Okay, it was it was COVID. I think he'll admit that he put on probably, you know, a little bit, not a lot, but probably, you know, five to eight pounds. If you've noticed in the interviews, he's like, he's pretty svelte. He's, and he, you could see it in that suit last night. That was a well-tailored suit look great on him i love the guys on our forum that know watches that well and they're they're doing the you know the watch watch which is kind of fun i mean yeah that was that was a sharp suit it was great it was great he looked great um and the other you know the chico state joker not wearing uh his uh not wearing a suit wearing whatever polo shirt come on get out of here yeah yeah um, we're we want to we want to we want to get rid of everything that is COVID. Yeah, <laughs> so no more get, in, get in a suit there big guy no more yeah. of this um tiger campbell um didn't i you know obviously didn't play a great game uh but he was you know i, I don't know he, he basically looked like tiger campbell to me um he went one for three from the from three point if 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 he's shooting 33%, <laughs> that's, a that's, huge an win. Eight, that's an 8% improvement from last season. <laughs> oh, Tiger. That's oh. my takeaway. Yes, my if, takeaway if, he right can, if he can keep that up, that would be great. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't have many concerns after this one. I would like to see a little bit more pressure defense. Um, but overall, um, nothing about this alarms me. Um, nothing about this game raises any kind of meaningful worry. I want to see Jalen Clark back and see how he fits in. Um, and I'd also say, just as a general thing, it's going to be really interesting to watch the minutes all year, you know, and who's who's playing, who isn't. Um, you know, they were able to get David Singleton 18 minutes in this game. Are they going to be able to consistently do that? I don't know. Um, you know, what do Peyton Watson's minutes look like as he gets more comfortable? Because, I mean, whatever you want to say about the game – he had eight rebounds, um, whatever you want to say about him offensively. Yeah. Uh, he was the second leading rebounder after Johnson. Um, so that that will stand out to Mick Cronin. I know that. Um, but just, I mean, Here's overall, the, just yeah. a ton of deflections, ton of blocks, ton of yeah. steals from everybody. It was uh, one of the more active defensive games from UCLA. Here's another big question about that game. What was the score? <laughs> I have uh, it, uh, the last time I checked, it was like ninety eight fifty nine, something like that. I think. Or uh, was it a hundred to sixty one, or was it ninety nine to? 61? I don't know. Have you noticed even the, with football the stat? Oh like, wow! What's bad. going on with stat broadcast, man? That's yeah. they are. It is bad. It's yeah, really and it's infected a lot of the ESPN box scores that go in as final too. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think the, so. When I was looking at the score, I think it was like ninety-eight fifty-nine, um, but I don't know what the final was. Well, UCLA has its box score is a hundred to sixty-one, but I think they're taking it off the stat broadcast. Right. Uh, I thought it was ninety-nine. So who knows? Uh, the the significance here are they still doing the thing that if you get to a hundred points. Students get like a free Chick Fil A or something. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, they should. God, if that if that if that were the case and they didn't give it to them, 
I'd be really, really pissed off. But okay, just wanted yep. to make that point. So anyway, um, yeah, exactly what you want from an exhibition. We saw everybody who was able to play, um, literally. Like we saw two walk-ons. Um, so, and they were all cheering well, for uh, Russell Stong when he made his three. Russell that was great. Stong. Hey, let's let's talk a little bit about our schedule now because we won't get in a broadcast really before the start of the season. Correct. Next, on, the next time we'll talk Tuesday. is probably before the Villanova game. Yes. Yes. Uh, let, uh, you know, let's skip ahead um, to the Villanova game. Um, mm-hmm. I uh, I'm telling you, I'm I'm in the middle. Well, I'm just about done with my season prediction. I'm I'm very positive, very optimistic going through the schedule. Um, everyone's talking about how good the Pac-12 is. Um, last year, the Pac-12 was good. Eh, Pac-12 is not going to be very good this year. After, uh, I mean, UCLA will be good. Oregon will be good. USC is going to be good. USC will be good. Yeah. USC is absolutely going to be good. Arizona is going to be better. Everyone's kind of just throwing out Arizona because, you know, they're going to be on probation or whatever and they lost their coach guys transferred out they're going Arizona's going to be good I don't necessarily think maybe that first tier Arizona's going to be good Arizona State is a complete unknown but they they got some good uh, the way you judge now is quality of transfers did did the transfer play really well was he a, a major contributor to a program in a major conference if you go by that, ASU should be pretty pretty decent also, but I'm stretching a little. Washington State, maybe. A couple of guys there I like. What do you but, like about Colorado? Um, it's going to be tough for Colorado. I mean, uh, McKinley Wright was my guy, and that's going to be a huge, huge – I don't even know how to emphasize this enough – a huge hole to, to fill. I mean – you know, they've got Evan Batty, who at times I really like, and then at other times I just say, what are you doing, Evan? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, they've got they – don't, they don't have as many – they don't have as many um, pieces as, as you might think. Eli Par- Parquet should probably step into that spotlight left by, left by McKinley uh, – by McKinley Rupp. But – I don't see them being good. Utah is an absolute complete rebuild. Cal and Stan- Stanford, wow, Stanford, Jared Haas, he's going into his seventh year there. And I, I mean, that's just about, uh, it's just about done. Uh, you'd have to think he's on the hot seat, right? Yeah, he's I mean, crash. Yeah. And I, seven years of, of, you know, time flies and mostly because, you haven't noticed it. Yeah, because nobody cares um, and about Stanford basketball. And, hasn't and he's had they used to. Yeah, not for a while. And he's had some talent. So Washington, wow, they're, they're not going to be good. Um, Oregon State is not going to be very good. <laughs> they just aren't. They don't have the players and they, you know, they lost their guy, you know, uh, Ethan Thompson. Uh, they're, they're this, it's the way it always is. All the writers, everyone goes off of literally their impression from last season. And not enough people really do know this as well as we do. I just don't see the Pac-12 being very good, which gives UCLA the opportunity to, to really have a phenomenal conference record. I'm talking 17-3, and 16-4 kind of thing. At the end of the season, um, Oregon USC USC's I, you know I hate to say it, Bruin fans, USC's going to be good. They've they've got some guys. They've got some. If you're talking about that, we're judging transfers. Some some impact transfers. They are they're going to be tough. Get but ready I'm still for gonna, this, guys. I want. I'm to still be- going to predict that. Cronin gets his first win against USC this year, though. I want everyone to be ready for one thing with USC. They're going to be like undefeated going into January. Just an FYI. Like it's yeah. it's going to be really really scary. It's because they're playing friggin' nobody. Uh the best opponent they play in non-conference I believe is Oklahoma State. Uh and Oklahoma State is 37th in Ken Palm. 
Um, they're going to have a really gaudy record going into Pac-12 play. They're probably going to be ranked top 10. Um, just that doesn't necessarily mean they're that elite, uh, but they're going to have a really gaudy record. And I'm going to, I'm, 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 I don't want to give away my, I'm say this. I'm predicting UCLA will beat Gonzaga, but they bum, will bum, still bum. have, they will still have a loss within the first few weeks of the non-conference season. You think it's Villanova. I'm, I'm thinking it's Vill- Villanova, man. Jay Wright, that dude, he, uh, that East Coast tough, tough ass, and they're a veteran team. They're really talented. Yeah, I think, you know, to start the season like that, UCLA is going to probably, yeah, I'd say they, uh, what you, and it's going to work out well for this UCLA team. They need to get punched in the face. And just, you know, so they stop reading their press clippings and that their final four darlings, they need to get punched in the face early. And I, I think Villanova is just the team to come to Poly Pavilion and do that. And then give them, this UCLA team, a, a chip on their shoulder for a couple of months at least, maybe throughout the rest of the season. So, so I think I think the ideal, they should be hoping they lose to Villanova. The Seriously. ideal no no the ideal time for a punch in the face is in December. It's always in December. Like if you could take a loss to like Colorado or I don't know North Carolina, that's the time to take a loss because then uh, you because yeah. you want to get the hype, you want to get all that hype, and you're feeling really good about yourself, and then you lose to somebody who's clearly worse than you. Like Villanova, they're right there with UCLA. Losing that game is there's no shame in it. But losing to like Colorado or North Carolina, there's a little bit of shame. You gotta you gotta activate that shame mechanism. And then they're like, uh, we can't do this. And then they they roll through conference play eighteen and two. Yeah, I I completely agree. But I I I wouldn't necessarily uh, undervalue a loss to Villanova in the second game of the year i still think that's going to have some value in the long run um i worry I, about I early season very early season i worry about derailing more than uh more than like regalvanizing i want to see uh, galvanizing wins they come in december or galvanizing i can't season. i can't see this team get derailed that much they're a little bit they're too much veteran they need to get punched i think there's a little bit of they've been reading their offseason press clippings and they think you know who they are i, I I think they're going to need that just to give him that kind of grit for the next couple of months. And then UCLA falls to what? They lose that game. They fall to probably 10, something like that. Takes the spotlight off them, and they'll slowly, well, not even slowly, but they'll climb their way back up into that rankings, which, uh, and I'm I'm not necessarily doing this just because that's the way I think it would be great for this team. To have a winning season, I, I literally think they're going to lose a Villanova and beat Gonzaga. So there you go. Well, exciting times. Um, okay. Well, um, did you want to? This is going to be abrupt, and I'm sorry for everyone out there. Did you want to talk any football? I wanted you to talk a little bit more about the basketball. Seriously, about the basketball season. Like what? Uh, your okay, so because no, I'm doing the prediction. Are you going to do? You know, we haven't talked about this. I always do the prediction. No, no, no. Are you going to do one? I'll, I'll own your prediction. That's fine. Um, are you sure? Because yeah, yeah. I did a prediction in football after your prediction. Yeah, because you don't believe in me, um, and yet okay. UCLA has a twenty-eight percent chance of finishing seven and si- uh, six and six. It's fine, no big deal. Um, but I believe in you, Tracy. Um, okay, well, let's talk about your own uh, so I'm, individual I, I'm, idea. I'm with season. you. Um, my general sense, and again, it's based off of a preseason game and my own positive feelings coming out of last season. But watching Jaime in particular and watching him take it to the rack with the same level of like, I'm just going to do this and you're not going to stop me. And yes, it's against Chico state, but the confidence is what I'm looking for. Like all of these minute factors. And then you add in miles Johnson, who I think, and I love Cody Riley. I think miles Johnson is going to have to take a lot of his minutes this year. Um, But you add all of that stuff together. I mean, they're going to be among the top 10 teams in the country. Um, they're going to be very, very good, and they're going to be in position to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament and win the Pac-12. Um, and that's all you ever want. You want the you want all of the um, uh, prerequisites to be in place for UCLA to 
be a national title contender. And that's exactly what I see right now. So as for the specifics of it, yeah, I expect them to have a dominant conference schedule where they are finishing, you know, either first or right there with another team that comes out of, you know, the ether like USC or Oregon with, you know, first or second in the league without a doubt. And, um, you know, a top three seed in the NCAA tournament and, uh, you know, everything needed to make a deep run. You know, you can't predict all the vagaries of a season, whether Tiger Campbell gets hurt at some point and then you lose your point guard, whether, you know, there's, you know, some level of whatever it is. But, you know, like there's all kinds of different things that could happen. But all of um, the prereqs are there for UCLA to have the kind of season that a very good UCLA team should have. Here's the thing, too, and this has been a trend recently, and I don't know what recently means, if that's three or four or five or six, seven or eight years, that I've experienced at the beginning of every college basketball season recently. Um, I start watching a bunch of games and I come away going, wow, there are a lot of bad teams. (laughs) Like, no one jumps out at me as, wow, they're really good. It, It used to be back in... I can't even say back in the day, what, 10 years ago, maybe? Yeah. Um, where I'd come away going, wow, they're good. They're good. They're good. I come away going, wow, there are a lot of bad teams. I'm expecting that again. So looking at UCLA, you're saying, ah, you know, they're missing some things. They're not as athletic as you'd like for a national championship contending team. You know, their defense needs to really improve. But let's revisit our opinion of them after we get to watch a couple of weeks worth of college basketball, because we'll go out there and say, wow, college basketball is pretty bad. Uh, Comparatively, UCLA is pretty good. Oh yeah. I'm already building that in dude. Like I, I, this, so again, it's, you're basing it off of a preseason game, but like uh, checks and checking a lot of boxes. And the fact that they will have an elite rim protector, plus a secondary guy who can make blocks like Peyton Watson it's going to be hard for the defense to be bad. Like, and by bad, I mean even as bad as it was last year when it finished uh, 46th in Ken Palm. Like, I would be stunned beyond measure if this is not a top 25 defense this year. Um, yeah. And I think it's going to be significantly better than that. Um, and offensively, they've been good pretty much every year under Mick Cronin. Um, I expect it to, again, be a very highly efficient offense, especially, again, if guys like Hawkes can continue to play the way he played um, in the NCAA tournament. And then again, last night, um, I expect it to be very highly efficient. Um, I, I think this is going to be a really, really good team. And yeah, they've got some, you know, from your ideal, like your platonic ideal of a basketball team. Yeah, they've got some deficiencies, but like compared to college basketball, this should be one of the best teams in the country. Um, yeah, there, there's, there's, just too many weapons, like too many guys who are, oh, that's a that's a dude. I mean, it, we didn't even really talk about Jules Bernard that much, but like he is the poster child for Mick Cronin's program. Gone from a guy who was borderline unplayable in Cronin's first year to now somebody he trusts as his backup point guard, making good decisions almost all the time. Like th- th- there's there's a lot to like about this basketball team. Yeah. So. Okay, so. And you say uh, football plays again next week. Football football plays. I love all the buy jokes on a bye week. I think, well, they've got another buy next buy, week. I think buy is going to like throw for 300 yards. They've got another buy next week, Tracy. <laughs> so, Dave, what do you think about the state of the UCLA football program? I think um, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm in opposition to it. Uh, I think it's bad, um, and I think it requires a significant change at the very top. Um, we here at Bruin Report Online don't generally do a lot of um, speculation about coaching changes uh, when the coach is, is you know, still in office. Um, it just it, it's not appropriate in a lot of ways. Uh, we're not comfortable necessarily with it. Everyone's clamoring for, you know, a coach's hot board right now. And it's just not, it's just not the right time. Um, But like you said, uh, I think the, the odds are that UCLA will 
more than likely, man, I'm qualifying this in a big way, uh, be looking to replace its head coach by the end of the season. Now, that doesn't mean it's absolutely going to happen. That doesn't mean I'm predicting it will happen. Is any? It's an incredibly fluid situation. Um, but that's the general feeling from what I'm gathering. Uh, not again, not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying that it, it, it could go that way. Um, so yeah, it's been, uh, gosh, I mean, I don't take any kind of satisfaction from this that, you know, we thought generally that Chip Kelly wouldn't be successful at UCLA. It's just, it just takes your breath away that it's been exhausting. Um, just to get through the four years of Chip Kelly with just all of the, I wouldn't even say adversity, but just the, what would you call it, Dave? It's just, just kind of trying to, uh, you know, describe his recruiting was exhausting. It's just been exhausting. Yeah, you know, it's been, it's been uh, interviewing exhausting, with- extremely disappointing. Exhausting, <laughs> extremely disappointing. Um, it's been um, frustrating. It's been um, really just not a very good experience. Um, and, and like, I think from like a not just from like a coverage standpoint um, for like the media, but like also just I think from like a general fan standpoint, um, it's been a long time since UCLA football was enjoyable. I think you've got three and a half years of Mora that were enjoyable. Um, and then before that, I mean, the last enjoyable season, I think, was the season start for 2008 with Rick Neuheisel when there was a lot of hope. Wow, that, that kind of that's crap. desperation, season yeah, start. I, w- I, would say, I would say there was a lot of optimism right then. Um, and then whatever, even though everyone knew in real time that it was a mirage, 2005. Um, but other than that, um, it's uh, it's been a dry, dry desert. And the last... Uh, you know, not even going to pin it all on chip, but the last, like since 2016, UCLA football has just been, um, I think it's, you know, I, I think there's been some, you know, real dejection in the fan base and I think it's completely justified. And so, um, yeah, I mean, ending it with, with ending this period with, with chip Kelly's years where he's been not only um, the results on the field very poor, but also he's been such a poor ambassador for the program. Um, so poor at getting fans involved, um, seemingly not caring or giving a crap at all about the fan experience. Um, you know, closing all of these different practices so fans can't even come. Um, you know, just just basically, um, and also like doing away with things like the Bruin Walk at the Rose Bowl, like just. So many things that are unnecessary um, and just antagonizing fans, media, everybody who like is invested in the program on a day-to-day basis uh, for no apparent reason and with no ab- absolutely zero payoff. Um, you're not winning games and you're still doing this crap. So uh, I don't think anyone's going to be feeling like warm feelings when this is done about Chip Kelly. Like Because when Jim Mora was I, done, I, you were still yeah. like, hey, those were a good three years, good four years. Um, Chip Kelly is going to be no warm feelings. I I I... I differ a little, uh, maybe not initially, if it does happen, but I think down the line, what we're going to conclude was that if if there is a new coach or whenever there is a new coach, I think we are going to look back and say that Chip Kelly succeeded in one way, and that's putting the program on a, a footing that made it attractive for another coach. Uh, he contributed to that. I mean, there's uh, there's very little controversy over the, I mean, not a lot of kids getting in trouble. I mean, if the worst thing we could do is Jay Toia, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, berating some uh, woman on an elevator, and that's about the worst thing that's happened in this program. Um, the, it's not all him. It's obviously there's good donor money. The fundraising has done well. Uh, I mean, good facilities. But he's he's clean. Let's just give him this that he's cleaned up the program. Uh, meh. Might have gone, I'm going to give he, that a firm meh. Now he might have. It might not have needed the cleanup to the extent that exactly. he did. Absolutely true. 
But that doesn't matter. He went about it. He did it wrong back then. But right now, for any potential coaching candidate, is where the product he's going to get is going to be is going to have a good foundation. The culture's there. The foundation yeah, got, is there. It, it, there's a bunch of good kids in the program, and I don't think anybody's disputing that. The thing with Chip Kelly is a lot of this money investment in the program. The groundwork was laid by Jim Mora um, and all the football facility crap. Like they weren't going to have a football facility and not have a pretty decent nutrition program. The amount of money he has spent on nutrition is insane. It's completely outsized compared to any other program. It's not just that that's like a good thing. It's that it's an insane thing. But um, also, I'm telling you, coaching candidates, and I and I have someone out there who knows this kind of stuff who will literally say coaching candidates would look at that and saying that's the yeah that's insane but they're they're willing to invest <laughs> that but okay. that's but but, uh, but I guess my point is that's not wait, Chip here, Kelly that's the, the administration being better um and But here's the other thing. Better. Here's the other thing. So many coaches this is this is the way coaches it's uh, make a decision on whether they would consider going to a certain school in a program. There's a and and it is all about fit. Um, it's not necessarily about money, but money's a factor. It is about fit, and fit isn't just whether you feel, you know, from a personality standpoint, you're going to fit into that university. It's more about in today's college football, there are programs that are donor run and donor influence that donors have a huge influence on what happens in that program um there are coaches who can embrace that and embrace it well there are other coaches who don't want any part of that they want to control every last aspect of their program that was chip kelly chip kelly's deal that he struck was that he was controlling the program the coaches that you want at ucla the ones who are good fundamental coaches are are really going to be the ones who want to control the program and don't want to have to deal that much with donors, deal with them in a lot better way than Chip Kelly did, but want to be able to control their own program. UCLA has that reputation now, and a lot of it is because of Chip Kelly. Um, so it's it's I, I know what you're saying that you don't want to give him right now. You don't want to give him any credit. But you got to just give him a little bit, no, no, no. just I, a little, that I the program him, is going to be attractive to coaching candidates, and he contributed to that attractiveness. Let's I totally give him absolute credit for cleaning okay. up whatever minor behavioral issues were in place at the school with like certain members of the football team. There aren't significant major issues with the player's behavior outside of football. So, yeah, if we want to give him credit for that, that's fine. What I was saying is the investment in the program has been a trend line that started before Chip Kelly. And it was going to continue, I believe, regardless of who they hired. So he was the guy in place who pushed for a lot of this stuff. Um, and he pushed not for Not necessarily insane... true, though, Dave, because I'll tell you it's not necessarily true because he he's getting paid a lot of money. Uh, one of the big things, too, is uh, a potential candidate wants to say, well, uh, I want to know I'm going to go to a place that's going to pay me 4.5 to 5.5 million. UCLA had not done that before Chip Kelly arrived. But so, it's a graduated increase dictated by the regents. Like they can go up 20% based off the previous coach's contract. So it was what it was. They were. But if you go by, you, uh, you know the way UCLA is. Before you see it, you wouldn't put much stock in the fact that it might happen. Agreed. <laughs> and, and they did yeah. it. But like, I guess what I'm saying is I don't want to pin a bunch of this credit on Chip Kelly when it was administrative decisions that were making this happen. Like if they don't open the purse strings for all this crap. And it wasn't like when Jim Mora was pushing all of this stuff at the beginning of his tenure, like painting everything black, which was kind of silly, but we all kind of liked it at the time. So let's not deny it. Um, but like also pushing for the football facility, all this other stuff, it truly was person driven. Like it was a lot of his internal drive that was pushing a lot of that chip Kelly. Uh, I want, I want nutrition. Um, and so he got it, but like the purse strings would have been there for whoever they would have hired because there's an administrative shift that's happened in the last decade at UCLA where they've recognized that football is important. Um, and in a way that they didn't before. So yeah, Chip Kelly's the guy who pushed for all the good food. Um, and he's the guy who uh, he's the guy who you made that a priority. And he's the guy who made it a priority 
um, over and above maybe um, uh, talent for character, which is great. Um, but these are priorities that he put in place. Um, but the overarching thing, and then I think this is the part that actually does make it attractive for future candidates, is that the administration, to a much larger extent than it ever has been, is committed to football. And if they fire Chip Kelly, that will be another sign that they are committed to football. Because they're just there was a story that just came out on ESPN about the amount of buyouts that certain schools are paying. UCLA is top 10 in buyouts paid out, which is both embarrassing, but also a sign of UCLA's commitment to football. Because there are three Pac-12 schools in there. I think it's ASU, Oregon, and UCLA, all three of whom are trying to compete at a high level. ASU and UCLA have not been successful, but they're trying. And they're right there with a bunch of other SEC schools and Big Ten schools in the top 10 nationwide and buyouts paid out, which, again, it's an embarrassing statistic, but it's also a sign that you're trying over and over again, trying really hard to field a competitive football team. And you know what? That number's going to go up (laughs) some amount here uh, potentially very soon. Um, But UCLA continues to try because, once again, they have an administration that actually seems to care. Um, and and, and I want to emphasize too, more. when it when it comes to making a decision whether a coach is going to go to a program, a huge, a big factor. I'm repeating this because I I, I can't emphasize it enough. Are, is it a donor driven program or do you have control? That is, I hear it all the time, all the time. That is a big factor. I'm not even going to say whether you would give. Uh, let's just say UCLA is set up now through the administration, through uh, UCLA's attitude towards its football program and the fact that it has a track record of doing that with Chip Kelly, that it's, it's set up that it's going to attract that type, that type of coach. So yeah. that's all good. Very that's much. Very so. good. And if it comes down to the UCLA and USC, I don't even When's the last time UCLA and USC have both been looking for a head coach? I can't both not, open at the same time. I can't both, remember. I don't think, I I don't think it's happened. Um, don't everyone's so so into the whole thing of uh, both programs would be in the market at the same time. I'm telling you, the the coaching candidate pools for both schools completely different list. It will be a, they will be complete if this happens at UCLA, completely different list. Okay. Yep. Love it. All right. Well, um, I think that's it for us, right? That's it for us. All right. For Tracy Pearson, I'm David Woods, Bruin Report Online, and we will talk to you again next time. See you guys.